morning, and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to the generous underwriters of Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Tuesday, August 1st, we are starting a new series here on Sharper Iron. It is called Wisdom for Life Under the Sun. For these first four weeks of August, we will be studying the book of Ecclesiastes. The first words that we hear in the book from the preacher, the son of David, are these, and they are jarring, vanity of vanities. Other English translations choose words like futility, pointless, meaningless, useless. Is that really all there is to this life under the sun? Is it all just a bunch of senseless toil until you die? Well, without the fear of the Lord, yes. Without faith in the Son of God, life under the sun is vanity. And Solomon isn't afraid to say that in a variety of ways. But in the true fear of the Lord, with faith in Jesus, life does have meaning. And Solomon will teach us that wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes as well. On today's show, we will be introducing the book as a whole and studying the first text, Ecclesiastes 1, verses 1 to 11. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Jacob Dandy. Pastor Dandy serves at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California. Pastor Dandy, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Hey, it's great to be here. Pastor Dandy, as we get started today, let's talk a little bit about the book of Ecclesiastes as a whole. I've already mentioned King Solomon is usually thought to be the author. Talk to us about some of those external matters, author, date, structure of the book, just to help us get a flavor for the book we're going to be studying for a couple weeks here. Oh, yeah. So um, it's, it's you know, like you said, written by uh, King Solomon, it, and it kind of falls under a, a genre of, of literature in the Old Testament that we call wisdom literature. And, and so um, another book of wisdom literature that we've, we've done on this show before would be Proverbs, right? Um, where where you have kind of the, the the wisdom of God and and wisdom for for Christian life or faithful life kind of being laid out to Christians in in a very clear thoughtful way, uh, and I would say that Ecclesiastes it, it really is kind of a gem. It is a gem in 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 the scriptures that you know I, we were talking just just before we started recording about this it's it's what every 20 20 year old needs to hear that he won't listen to right uh, it is the uh, it, it is it's it's written by solomon uh and it's not the the young optimistic solomon who's who's powering into life you know who's who's seeking wisdom who's who's you know um uh you know has this zeal for for everything that he's doing all that stuff like every young man does um, but this is the Solomon who has now gone through life, messed things up um, in a lot of ways, um, uh, done great things, uh, and experienced failure, um, gone back and forth through all these things. And now this is the Solomon who, who is at the end of his life, and he is living in repentance, right? Um, he, he sees the, the shortcomings of the pursuits of man. He sees the things that he wasted his time on. And so what's he doing? He's, he's setting forth these words for, 
for everyone who comes after him to, to hear and to know, hey, what really does matter in life? Uh, what really is important? Um, and so he, you know, if you, if you read through Solomon and then you kind of read through First um, Kings 1 through, I think, 9, right? You really see the kind of life of Solomon unfold. You see his failures, you see his successes, you see his needs. Um, but in all of it, you can kind of see how much he reflects on how vain a lot of the things he did were. Um, the, the riches that he accumulated, the wives that he uh, um, stored up for himself right um and so you know we talked about you know most traditionally people say the author of ecclesiastes is solomon i'm intended to agree with that um as we look at verse one it makes it pretty clear uh, and if it's not solomon at least it's someone interpreting the life of solomon who 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 can look at solomon's life and say hey the these are things that you uh uh can learn from me right uh the book falls into maybe four sections you can divide it up in different ways it doesn't really have a set forth book one book two structure like the psalms do um or or like uh, even the proverbs where they have kind of different chunks that say they're going to do different things um but uh it does kind of maybe fall into four different three thematic sections you got um vanity and earthly wisdom and pleasure right so all the things that really human beings strive after and that's really the first two chapters um you have maybe a, an exploration of God's good gifts and three through five and, and how should we regard those gifts with piety and faith. Um, you have the vanity of material wealth and, and material fame and wisdom uh, in, in six through eight. And then finally, it, really maybe nine through 12 is what can you conclude about life and how do you live a pious life, right? And, and so Ecclesiastes kind of takes you through maybe the entire spectrum of the human experience. It, it, it asks questions. It, a lot of times it's just begging questions like, how do you live in a fallen world? Or, or what can you hope in when everything is vain, right? Um, how does sin affect you? Uh, how does sin affect your understanding of the world around you? How should I deal with all the stuff, the material stuff we have to encounter in this life? Uh, um, uh, what does it mean that I'm not God, right? I think that's a huge question that, that, that Ecclesiastes wrestles with. Um, how should I view my vocation? How do I identify if something is a false hope? How do I, how do I identify if something is becoming an idol? Um, how do I find peace in daily life living in God's creation? Um, uh, you know, maybe the most kind of generic uh, question that you can ask, really, what's the meaning of life for a Christian, right? Um, uh, um, maybe a way of thinking about it, it's kind of the red pill of the Bible. Um, you know, it, uh, it, it kind of unfurls all of the, the, the blinders that we have. It peels those back. So that we, we as human beings um, learn how to approach um, life under the sun. as a, That's going to be the recurring theme here. Um, we approach life under the sun um, with hope that goes beyond the sun, right? Um, with the hope in the, the God who created this world that we live in. Uh, with an understanding of our own weakness um, and the weakness of the world that we often want to cling to. 
Uh, so it's, it's a beautiful book. Um, I, I'm very excited about uh, starting this off with you today, and I'm very excited to see you know how all the other pastors talk about it too over the next couple of weeks. So it'll be good. That's that's good because sometimes the book of Ecclesiastes doesn't seem like a very exciting book, one that gets people excited because there is a lot of realism, as you said, things that a 20-year-old maybe doesn't think about but probably should be thinking about. We see Solomon reflecting on those things likely later in life. It's interesting that you bring up the book of Proverbs, and this is a, a side tangent, maybe just a totally different conversation that we would we'd need to have some other time, but to think about the way that this book interacts with Proverbs, Proverbs being that wisdom of, hey, if you if you live in this way, things are generally going to go well for you, and now Solomon later in life reflecting, well, that didn't always happen quite the way that I thought it was going to. And, and to reflect on that, I think that might be a whole other conversation for another yeah. time. Yeah, but maybe, certainly yeah. in that, that camp of, of wisdom literature, something that we want to keep in mind as we read here, these words of the preacher, as he calls himself throughout the book. This is Ecclesiastes 1, beginning at verse 1, going through 11. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on its circuits, circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. That's our text for today. That's Ecclesiastes 1 verses, excuse me, chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. All right, Pastor Dandy, so take us into those first two verses. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, that plus other notices throughout the book are why we think this is probably Solomon writing. And he introduces his theme in verse 2. Tell us about vanity. Yeah, yeah. So uh, verse two, and this is going to be the refrain throughout the entirety of this book is it's it's all vanity, right? Um, uh, You know, some people can read this book and maybe say, oh, man, he's being kind of cynical. And and some people will read this book and just say, man, Solomon's kind of a pessimist. I I think Solomon's being very realistic here. Um, He's saying vanity of vanities. All right. Um, And and that's that's a Hebrew way of saying, hey, the this is a really vain thing. Um, you know, they, they don't really have like the, the superlative being like, Hey, most vain thing ever. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's their, this, their the repetition of this word. It's, it's really, really, really vain. Um, and, and that word vanity comes from the Hebrew word, uh, hebel. Um, and, and you know, it's the identity, how to, um, maybe translate, the word hebel um you know i think that's something that scholars kind of debate a lot um uh, you know you, you can say it's like maybe emptiness or or vapor or wasting away 
um, or void of meaning, right? Um, it, it's really kind of hard to piece it together because it, it can encompass so much. But but really, it's it's this word that says this really doesn't matter as much as you think it does, right? Um, uh, these things that we're we're really preoccupying ourselves with, um, they're they're not as important. And and what what's really interesting about this is that. Um, it starts off um, <laughs> with saying, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, right? And, you know, um, when, he's, when he's talking about that, I think it's important that the qualification in verse 3 comes in, it's under the sun, but that the things that people cherish, the things that people value, the things that people think really, really matter, um, end up being things that are incredibly transitory, um, perishable, um, things that, that will waste away with this fallen creation, right? Um, uh, uh, he, he identifies himself as the preacher, you know, vanity of vanity says the preacher. That's another Hebrew word, koheleth, um, that we translate preacher. It really means kind of one who um, gathers or assembles people, um, uh uh, which really does fit into Solomon. He, he, you know, maybe just looking back at the uh, gathering of Solomon, uh, gathering of Israel by Solomon, just at the dedication of the temple, how Solomon addresses the crowd, how Solomon prays on behalf of the people of Israel. Um, you know, uh, you almost wonder if that isn't a nickname that Solomon received because of the dedication of the temple. But um, you do have this this picture where you have the preacher, the son of David. Um, or the one who assembles the people saying, hey, all these things that you cherish um, in th this earthly life, um, they don't mean as much as you think they do. So, um, yeah. To, if I can, Pastor Danny, just to the word, you know, vanity or meaningless. I, I looked at a variety of English translations and listed some of the words that get chosen for this. Uh, the the picture, and I think you, you use the word vapor or mm -hmm. smoke. I think the, the picture that, I think this was a Pastor Brian Wolfmuller who put this one on into my mind, was picture the, the breath that you have when it's really cold outside, and mm -hmm. you can see your breath for just that moment, and then it goes away. Yeah, that's right. the that's the picture that we should have in our minds behind this word vanity or meaningless. That maybe puts some some flesh and blood on what Solomon's talking about. He he looks at life and he sees that it's there for a moment and then it's gone. Yeah, and that's what he's he's getting at. Yeah, um, and you know, there's there's really there's so many examples of that. You know, you you talk. I you know, I talked to. Um, Yesterday after church, I talked to a 97-year-old woman, uh, you know, and, you know, she's she's in church every Sunday. She's doing great, right? You know, very healthy lady. And, you know, you just sit there and talk to her. And, and one of the things that anytime you talk to a 100-year-old, a 97-year-old or whatever, you know, what's one of the things they continually say about life? It goes by really fast, right? Uh, and so here, here you have a person who's lived as long as anybody in the area has lived, right? You know, really, you know, how many people can aspire to live to be almost 100? Um, you know, you know, the, these these days are always numbered. They're always short. Um, and, and what do they say? Well, man, it goes by fast. Um, it's quick. Uh, and, and, you know, when you look at life, right, um, that, that, that maybe that idea of breathing out the, uh, 
um, uh, the the condensation or steam out of your mouth on a cold day. That that's really actually a good image of that because life does just kind of it kind of just slips away and flees. And the next thing you know, you're 40 and you're losing your hair. And then the next thing you know, your kids are grown and you know, all of these things kind of start happening. Um, and uh, you're, you're not that 20 year old guy who doesn't listen anymore. Right? That's right. That's right. So every time we hear that word vanity in the book of Ecclesiastes, that's the picture we want to have in our mind. Another phrase that Solomon will use over and over again in this book, and I think you've already mentioned it, but I'd like to hear you talk a little bit more about it, is this phrase, under the sun. And that's what we hear in verse 3. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? When, when Solomon talks about this life under the sun, what's he talking about? Yeah, and so I think there, there, this is a good distinction that Solomon makes in this text, which I think we need to, to really emphasize because not everything is actually vain. Um, uh, the things that God does, the works of God, are never vain, right? The, the works of God are, are never perishable. Um, uh, the works of the Lord endure, and those works only, only fall out of use or stop when, when God decides they're done. He's done with them, right? Um, and so when Solomon makes this distinction of life under the sun, right, it, it's important to understand he's referring to man's work, um, the things that man builds, the things that man desires, um, and, and that's what's temporary. It's the toil of man, the, the toil of God, the work of God, the things that God produces and does, right, those things endure, Right. And so you're getting this distinction when he um, uh, starts saying, OK, hey, um, what's uh, uh, what does man gain by all his toil and which he toils under the sun? Right. He's basically saying the things that man toils for in the material world, chasing after material things that will perish with the earth. Um, what gain is that? Right. Um, what gain is there? And, you know, um, uh, I, I, I go to my job, I work at it year after year, day after day, continually throughout my life, and then I, I take the money that I earn in that job and I buy a big screen TV, and then eventually I'm not satisfied with that TV, and I got to get the more bigger high definition TV, and so I have to take out a line of credit and buy that TV because I really want that one. You know, and um, the, the pursuits of man uh, and the things that they want... Um, uh, and the things that they desire in this life very often um, end up being vain, right? Uh, they end up being things that um, we lose interest in very quickly, but also things that um, that perish with us, right? Um, and so that even like the most important things done in our time, right, are forgotten in our generation, right? And, and, and really, you even look at it just in the, the short span of your life, um, uh, and you, you look back at, you know, all the things that you think might end up in the history books, right? And half of them don't. Half of them are forgotten. Uh, half of them are lost to time. Uh, and it, it, it kind of makes, have you ever, um, uh, read the, the Percy Shelley poem, uh, Ozymandias? I have not. Okay. Um, this, this is a, a, a really, uh. Uh, good poem, uh, uh, and it's basically talking about a traveler um, going throughout the desert, 
and he comes across a stat, uh, what was at one point a statue, and really all that's left are the feet um, of what was maybe at one point in time a very impressive statue. Um, and it, it says uh, something along the lines, and here, I'll, I'll pull it up. It, uh, there's a sign on the statue on the pedestal before it, and it says, My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. And then it says, Nothing remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Right? And so... Here, here you have this statue of a man named uh, a king, king of kings, Ozymandias, who built his kingdom um, and has this huge statue of himself erected over his kingdom. And it says, look at my works, ye mighty in despair. Uh, and then you look past in the passage of time, what does it do? It completely wrecks his kingdom. There's nothing left but the feet of a grizzled statue um, that has decayed and, and been destroyed, right? Um, and... The, well, why is that? Well, Ozymandias had this delusion that so many human beings have where they think the things that I build today are going to endure for eternity, where, where there's, there's, just, there's just no truth to that. There is nothing internal, uh, eternal about, about the works that I do in this life um, that when I, well, and to clarify, the works that I do that pertain to my life under the sun. All right, so I, yeah, I can gain wealth, I can write books, I can build buildings, I, you know, I can do everything else you imagine, but someday I'll die, um, and someday you know, I will probably be forgotten in history. I'll, I'll be like somebody's note on Ancestry.com in 150 years. Right? I, I won't matter that much. Um, and, and so that's something that, that we're being kind of invited to consider about ourselves um, when we... we engage in the things that we toil and we engage in the things that we desire as human beings in this world, um, we're asked to consider, hey, how much does this really matter? Um, uh, and to, to ask that question in consideration of our Christian faith, who we are as the children of God under the sun. Um, uh, and it also is very representative of um, I, you know, Genesis 3.19. I think this is a big thing to consider as well. It's representative of the fallen condition of the creation around us and the fallen condition of man, right? Because what, what does God say to Adam in Genesis 3.19? By the sweat of your brow you shall eat your bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you're taken, for you are dust, and to dust you, will, you shall return, right? And so you have this this general idea that, you know, we're going to strive to survive by the, that rhymed, but we're going to strive to survive by the uh, uh, sweat of our brow, right? Um, that, you know, we're going to have to toil in this life to have bread, um, to live in homes, to, to provide for our families, all, all of these things. Uh, but in the midst of it, you know, what's the one thing guaranteed? Um, I'm going to return to the dust of the earth. Um, and so as we live under the sun, right, uh, we, we see kind of man's delivin, the dilemma under the sun, and that's that the work that we work for, um, you know, it doesn't extend my life, right? Uh, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, have the impact that I think it does, and I'm not nearly as important as I think I am. Uh, and I think that's something that every man 
every human being is called to consider that, you know, um, while I'm not as important under the sun, I do dwell uh, under the provision of a God who is. And, and that's the thing that I think we're called to think about in this text. Talk, we've got just about two minutes here before the break. Talk a little bit more about why that is important for us to consider. And then when we get to the other side, we'll move on to, to verse four. But why is this an important thing for a 20-year-old to consider or any, any, a person of any age to think about? Well, I, and, and, and maybe it's just the most blunt terms. Um, yeah, there, there, there's the old Facebook meme that goes around. Um, there's a 0.021% chance that um, your kid will be a famous athlete, but there's a 100% chance that they're going to meet Jesus, right? Um, that, you know, we consider what we do in this life. Um, uh, we under, consider the vanity of the things that we, we often desire to do with this life, but also then, you know, if, if I really understand that a lot of the things that I toil after are vain, I have to ask myself the question, then what isn't vain? Um, what will endure? Um, and, and, well, that's, that's something that we as Christians have an answer to, right? That, that there, there is a resurrection, that there, there is a place in our Father's house that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. There is an eternal kingdom um, that we share an inheritance in as the children and people of God. Um, and then, then you ask the question, then, um, well, well, what do I want my children to participate in? What do I want my loved ones to participate in? Um, uh, you know, and how much vanity am I going to um, foist upon my household? Uh, and then how much of the things of God am I going to celebrate in my household? These are, these are things that I think every man and every human being needs to wrestle with as we live as people under the sun. Absolutely. That's well said, Pastor Danny. We're going to keep looking at this text from Ecclesiastes 1 on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Jacob Dandy this morning. We will be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that an investment with Lutheran Church Extension Fund exclusively supports LCMS ministries and church workers? That's right. LCEF ensures LCMS churches, schools, and organizations have access to the financial resources they need to sustain, strengthen, and start ministry work. In other words, you can feel good investing with LCEF because we share your Lutheran values and love for the church. Learn more at lcef.org. LCF is a nonprofit religious organization. Therefore, LCF investments are not FDIC insured bank deposit accounts. This is not an offer to sell investments or solicitation to buy. LCF will offer and sell its securities only in states where authorized. The offer is made solely by LCF's offering circular. Investors should carefully read the offering circular, which more fully describes associated risks. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Tuesday, August 1st. We're studying Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 with Pastor Jacob Dandy. He serves at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California. Pastor Dandy, prior to the break, we left off with verse 4, where Solomon writes, A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Then he talks about the sun rising and setting, and then the wind blowing to the south and the north 
going round and round a couple of, of cyclical things, it seems, that Solomon brings up here. Uh, what's he getting at in these next couple of verses? Yeah, um, and, you know, uh, really, you know, so we have this idea of life under the sun. We have the idea of toil under the uh, sun, right? But then we, we start thinking about, well, the passage of time, right? You know, you got the sun rising and the sun setting, right? That That is our chief marker of the passage of time, right? That goes all the way back to Genesis. There's evening and morning on the first day, right? Um, then, you know, on day four, we get the creation of the sun and the moon and the stars and these, these um, govern time and seasons and months and days and all these things, right? Um, and And one of the things that, you know, I have no power to speed up or slow down or or press the pause button on is is the sun rising and the sun setting right i i i I can't tell the sun to rise five minutes early um i I have no command over that um and then you also then have the 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 movement of the wind right um as we we see that the the i i really I can't tell the wind to stop blowing south to north. I can't tell it to stop, uh, or I, I can't control the weather, right? This is this is kind of the craziest thing that the world world really wants to slip into the illusion of is that we we somehow have mastery over the weather and the functions of the patterns of the world and all of these other things. We we really don't, right? Um, and so you you see that the the wind is going to blow. Um, and I can't prevent it, right? And then you, you got the uh, um, the stream running into the sea here on, on verse six, right? Um, and and this is one that's really interesting. The stream is going to run into the sea, um, and the sea isn't going to be satisfied one day and say, "Okay, that's enough water," right? Um, I've had enough of the water flowing into me. Like it just just stop already, right? Um, and that really is kind of the, the the movement of time around us and how little control we have of it. Um, the the movement of life around us and how little time we have of it, right? Uh, the, the generations are going to come. The generations are going to go from one to the next, just as the sun is going to set, rise and set, just as the wind is going to blow, just as the rivers are going to continue to flow into the sea. Um, you know, tomorrow is going to come. Right, and I can't prevent that from happening, um, and so I really can't change the course of the wind. I, I really can't stop it from blowing. I can't, and so then I also can't stop the the kind of decay of the things that I build in this life. Um, I can't stop the decay and the aging of my body. Um, you know, this is why I I think um, the the you know this is these are the words of an old man to young men. All right. Um, you know, an old man has been through it. He remembers how strong he was in his youth. And now where is he? Right. Uh, that that strength has depleted. Right. The, I, and you can't stop that from happening. And, and maybe like a, a, a really zoomed in idea of that and a zoomed in thought of that. You know, uh, it's, it's like buying a new car. Right. Uh, you know, and sometimes I think you, you buy a car and then you set it in your mind. OK, the car problem is solved. I don't need to think about the car thing anymore. But what but what, what, what ends up happening? Right. Um, well, eventually that new car is going to break down. Uh, all right. That car is going to need new tires. And then after six or seven or eight or if you're really lucky, 10 or 12 or 15 years, you're going to need to buy a new one. Right. 
and, and why is because that, that old car isn't going to last you forever, right? It's going to wear out. Um, uh, that beloved family vehicle that, you know, somebody bought 30 years ago is, is occupying a dump today. Right. And I, you know, and I, this sounds all dour and pessimistic, um, but I think it's honest. Right. It is. Yeah. That, um, it shows you of, um, it, it shows you a, how, how valuable our time is, but also B, um, how fleeting it is. And how, how, how the things that we, we pour our time into in this life um, often aren't as worthy of that time as we think they are, right? Because one thing I do know is that I'm not going to be here in 40, 50, 60, 70 years, right? Um, I definitely probably won't be here in 70 years. I think 108 is is old enough, but you know what I mean, right? Um, uh, but somebody will, and and the creation is going to, unless Jesus returns, which, man, That's man, right. hope he does. Come, Lord Jesus, uh, come. Yeah, Lord. yeah, come quickly. Uh, but somebody will. And, and, and what I did or did not do, while there are effects of what I do in this life, and I'm going to raise my kids, I'm going to lead my congregation as best I can, I'm going to preach the gospel um, to people who need to hear it, and I pray that people do hear it, and it does have, you know, a generational effect on that person's life. When I'm gone, um, you know, people probably aren't going to remember Pastor Dandy all that much, right? Um, it's just not going to be something that people bring up every day, uh, because most of the people who knew me will be gone with me. Uh, and so when we have to reckon that we spend so much time often in pursuing things in this life that we know are disposable, um, it is stuff that's going to waste away, and, and so am I. So is my name. Um, I, you know, and, and, and maybe a good, another good example of this, I think it was Dr. Kuntz. I once heard him say something, well, it was kind of funny, um, and in a, a, a kind of a funny Dr. Kuntz way, but he said, you never hear a wealthy person on their deathbed asking for people to show them their old tax returns, right? Um, you know, uh, oh, look at all the, like, like with your end of your life, the, the money that you made in this life or, or the things that you built in this life, um, you, you're not going to sit there and admire that. At the end of your life, um, you know, you, you're, uh, if you're a Christian, you, you're going to want to hear God's word, right? Um, you're going to be want to be comforted with the gospel and you want to see your family, right? That's, that's kind of the things that people tend to gravitate to and ask for. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, you're not going to want to be comforted by looking at your, your tax return from, you know, 2024, where you made the most money you ever did in a single year and, or, or whatever, you know. Um, so once again, Solomon's kind of driving this point home. The things that we spend so much time working on are things that, you know, are going to decay and wither in the passage of time. And we can't stop that movement. Um, and realizing this, actually, realizing that is not a bad thing. It, it's a good thing. You know, it's time, wind, rivers, the sun. They all know their place in the creation. When we realize, okay, I can't stop the passage of time. I live in this existence that I live in under the sun, right? Um, I realize my place in the creation is that I'm a creature who lives under a creator, 
I'm a creature who lives under one who made me and formed me and called me into existence, right? Um, and so it's it kind of drives me to a life that's outside of myself because, well, I realize that myself isn't as important as I think it is. That makes uh, you know, sense. that realization that we are creatures living under the Creator then allows us to receive all of these things that Solomon is talking about as a gift in the present time. Yeah. In Martin Luther's comments on the this part of Ecclesiastes, he, he talks a couple times, and I'm paraphrasing what he says here, that, that the misery that we experience is that we don't receive the things that we have right now with thanksgiving, because yeah. we're looking for things in the future, and those things in the future we don't receive when they get here. Whereas with this, this wisdom that Solomon has here to recognize, you know what, I can't control the wind, I can't control the sun rising and setting, or the streams running into the sea. When I realize that, and I see my, my place as one of the creatures under a creator, then I can receive the wind blowing on my face right now as his gift, and the sun shining on me right now as his gift, and the water flowing past me right now and into my, my cup to drink, that's his gift, rather than something that's just, you know, I'm just caught up in this this ongoing cycle, and there's nothing I can do about it, it's all vanity. If I don't have the faith in Creator, yeah, that's the way it is, and that's what Solomon is saying. Well, but yeah. when I recognize my place under the Creator, then it, then it all becomes His gift to me. Well, yeah, and, and if, you look at, if you look at how people often live their lives, right, it, it, we're, we're a lot like the sea drinking in the stream of water. We're, we're never really filled or satisfied with what yeah. we have, right? Um, and and that, that is Luther's point. I actually have that quote somewhere in my notes. I have to read closer here. Um, but um, as we, uh, from Luther, as, we, as we, we think about what we have at the moment, um, you know, the drive is always to think about what would I want tomorrow. And, and, uh, uh, and that's actually one of the sins that um, uh, uh, St. Paul talks about in Romans 1, right? That they don't acknowledge God to be creator, nor do they give him thanks, right? Um, and, and that really is the impulse of our sinful flesh. It is to, it is to look, oh, the sun is shining. Oh, it's hot today cursed sun, right? Uh, go down, right? Go down faster. Or, um, oh, the wind is blowing. Oh, there's dust on my car now. I wish the wind didn't blow so hard, right? Rather than to, to live and acknowledge that everything that we have in this life, even, even the, the, the heat of the scorching sun, um, is a gift from the Creator who, who placed us under the sun for this day, in this place, in this time, um, and that, that He has gone even beyond that um, that, that he has sanctified my existence in the death and resurrection of his son, right? Um, that, he, that he has baptized me so that I have my sins forgiven, so that I really have no other choice than to acknowledge every day and every moment and everything that I have as a gift from him, right? Um, uh, even, even the things that aren't necessarily comfortable or fun. Um, I, well, I can't say that they're a curse, can I? I'm baptized in the Christ, uh, and I think that's, um, I think that's something that we always need to 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 live in the understanding of is that as we live under the sun, our pursuits are vain, um, but the things that we receive are gifts. Yeah. Mm. Well, and and that I think is one of the important things that you were bringing up earlier. As Solomon talks about life under the sun, 
to recognize that, that when we're talking about the works of God, those works are not in vain. And to make that distinction, I think, is very helpful. And I think that that helps us as we think about, especially verses 8 and following, and, and really in, into 9, where he starts to get at this idea, you know, what what is there out there that's actually new? You know, the wind that's blowing past me to the north actually already came at me from the south. And, and the water that flowed into the, the sea has evaporated, and it's rained on me again. What, what really is new? We talk about what he says there, and then help us to see how the works of God then actually do bring us what is new. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he says, All things are full of weariness, and man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Uh, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done, and there's nothing new under the sun, right? And so, you know, you're exactly right. That the sun that I see set tonight is going to be the same sun I see rise tomorrow, and so on and so forth, and it's going to continue that way throughout creation. Um, and, and I think sometimes, once again, in our vain pursuits as human beings, um, that drives us towards a lust for novelty, right? Um, I want something new. I want something better i want something bigger um uh and it's it's that insatiable appetite for more or for different and it really does become very wearisome right so that you know we're, we're all, all always pursuing that novel thing that that hops in the creation right or that that pops into our minds um you know uh, uh, luther says we have restless eyes and senses right um and so i can look at something but i can't look at it very long because I want to look at something else, or I can I can hear something, or I can feel something, or I can experience something, and eventually what happens? I get bored, right? Um, and and really, as we we kind of then think about this kind of the the broadness of creation and 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 how much there actually is to see and to do and to think about, um, eventually what happens is that our lust for novelty. Uh, uh, makes everything just into noise right because um okay i saw that i want the next thing and so that that thing that i was just desiring to see that new thing that better thing right what does it become it becomes noise it becomes forgettable um it, it you know it's it's like it's like waiting and you know you, you see people like wait in line for the next marvel movie right um uh, and, you know, so, so they, they want to see the next, you know, you know, X-Men, Wolverine, whatever thing, right, take place. Um, and they're so excited to see it. And they're finally seeing, oh, you know, the, the you know, oh, Wolverine's going to fight Hulk or whatever. You know, it's just like, and it's just this big buildup. And they're all excited about it. And then they see it. And, and, you know, they're walking out of the movie theater. What are they thinking about? Oh, man, what's going to, what's the sequel going to be like? Like, you know, yeah. they're not even thinking about what they just saw. Um, and, and really, probably it's not worthy of their thought too much, right? It's, it's, it's you know, kind of cash grab Disney Marvel movies. I don't know. Um, but that, <laughs> that, that went so much to being something that they, people crave to all of a sudden being, okay, that's in the background. It's forgettable. I want to see the next one, right? Um, and so we want so much of everything, that everything becomes disappointing. It's it's like that kid on Christmas who gets like a ton of presents, and when every gift is unwrapped, they're not satisfied. What do they want? They're like, well, where's the next present, right? Yeah. It's like that. It's like that kind of ungrateful three year old that dwells in each and every one of us, right? 
Um, and so I think we, we you know, the very blunt way of Solomon putting it here is that man never really is simply content to rejoice in what he has and what's set before him, uh, but he wants more. Yeah. And that desire for more, it, it really becomes exhausting. Um, it, it's, it's, it's tiresome, right? Um, uh, you know, you, uh, and, and so you, you get this, this kind of, this statement in, in verse 10, it, you know, is there anything of which it said, see, this is new, but it has been already in the ages before us, right? There is no remembrance of former things, near will there be any remembrance of the later things, yet to be among those who come after, right? And so, yeah. so uh, you know, we, we, we think about even like our, our, our things that we, we say in our, our culture, oh, look at these new, cool, wonderful innovations, right? Well, we're just building on what was already there. It's it's something that existed. Sometimes I think the way that we do it with technology, it puts a megaphone up to everything and spreads it out and and makes things bigger than than they are. But the, it's really at the end, according to our our sinful hearts and according to our 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 human passions, right? They they really are the same thing, right? Um, I have text messages instead of carrier pigeons now. That's that's the big difference. But it's not new. Well, so here's here's a good example of that, Pastor Dandy. You know, I mean, when you think about how, how we often will read things now, what we read them on a screen, and, and what do we do to read them on the screen? We scroll, which that's that's been scrolls have been around a long time. And, <laughs> yeah, right. I've got, just... I've got books, you know, so I don't need scrolls anymore. But I mean you're right, nothing new under the sun. And and yet and yet we do constantly desire that new, and it's never it's never satisfied, just like the sea is never full when the rivers keep flowing into it. I found, I found the quote from, from Luther that at least I, I wrote down. I'm not sure if this is the one you had in mind, but this is what Luther says about what we've been talking about. He says, This is the height of vanity and misery to cheat oneself of the use of present goods and vainly to be troubled about future ones. Yeah. I don't know if that's the one that you had in mind, but I think that very well summarizes what we've been talking about, this insatiable desire for what is new, which we never actually get, prevents us from enjoying the gifts that God is giving to us at this moment, and then we're troubled about the future ones, and and that never actually comes because there's not that new thing out there that we're looking for, at least not in this life under the sun. Yeah, yeah. Our our, our hearts... um... And really, our hearts, under the curse of sin, and and according to our old Adam, at least, um, they're they're very insa- they're insatiable, right? They're, you know, um, you know, Luther in his comments on this text, he talks about like Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar and their great ambition, right? They never want to stop conquering, right? Uh, Alexander the Great goes all the way from Macedon to uh, to basically India, I guess. And then, you know, what does it say when he, when he gets to India and he conquers, you know, that chunk of India that he conquered? He weeps because there's no more worlds to conquer, right? Um, and and that, that maybe is kind of the, the, the issue with the hearts of men. Um, our, we're, we, we want what's next, we want what's new, but we lack the ability to create. Um, and so we, we just have to fall back on what we had already and, and, and uh, uh, not be satisfied. Uh, I think 
I think though, you know, our hearts are insatiable, but you know, when we maybe look at this in a biblical way, um, you know, you think about maybe Psalm 37, um, where we see the, the works under the sun and how they're never satisfying. We, we also get this, this word from the Lord that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, we can turn to the one who does do a new thing, right? Um, you know, what Jesus talks about um, how he, he puts the um, new wine in the wineskin, right? Um, or he, he puts the, um, uh, the, the shrunken cloth, right? He, he does a new thing, right? He creates a new garment. He does this thing where, where he is really making all things new um, in his death and in his resurrection. And so when we see that the world is vanity, well, we can see the one thing that isn't vain. It's the, you know, the one thing that's needful that Jesus pointed Martha to. Um, it's it's the, the Savior who's come to, to redeem us from living under the sun. And I think that's the thing that we, we can cling to here. We cling and we turn to, um, in the midst of all the vanity of this world, the, the one who, who does make and do a new thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I, the words that come to my mind are in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, where, where Jeremiah writes that his mercies are new every morning. You know, yeah. I mean, think about, think about that in conjunction with what Solomon is saying here. Life under the sun is vain. Jeremiah says the Lord's mercies, that's what's new under the sun, and they're new every morning the sun rises. And I think especially what you pointed out, that Jesus makes things new in his death and his resurrection. If, if you really want the new thing that's there, that is the resurrection of Christ yeah. that he has now and he gives to us on the last day. Yeah, absolutely. You got it. You got it. Um, um, that's the new creation, right? <laughs> um, uh, the, you know, he's the first fruits of a new creation that, that um, you know, we— we are invited and called to follow after in our baptism. Uh, and, and that's the big hope here. Um, that, that, you know, and really that's what Solomon is inviting us to see, is that we're vain, right? The world and life under the sun is vain, um, but there's something that's not. Um, and, and once again, going all the way back to, to this distinction between life under the sun, there's life that isn't under the sun. Um, there, there is life that, that uh, uh, God calls us into through our baptism. He calls us into through the preaching of the gospel, uh, where we are, we are made heirs of the kingdom of heaven. Um, and I, I don't, you know, uh, we, we, I think sometimes we, we flip things, right? We, we get things out of order. Uh, people are so eager to, to sometimes say, oh man, heaven's going to be really boring. There's going to be nothing to do but like sing hymns to Jesus and walk around and be holy all the time. Um, uh, uh, but they flip it, right? Um, really our human condition, what are we bored with? Well, we're bored with life in this sinful world because we're never satisfied with it. Um, when really, when we have life in the kingdom of heaven, it's going to be nothing but joy. Um, it's going to be nothing but new discovery, uh, uh, new life, uh, and uh, 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 um, new wonders that we see standing before God in His in His His glorious restored creation. Um, and so I think there's 
there's there's a lot to be said about this, and I, I think there's a lot to to contemplate. Once again, I'm li- really looking forward to the book of Ecclesiastes here, <laughs> so it's going to be great. That, I think that's a really excellent insight that we we do think in our sinful nature we think oh I'm going to be bored in eternity when it, it's actually the exact opposite. That is the the least boring thing in the world, and the the boring thing is right now when we get stuck in this vanity of vanities, life under the sun apart from faith in Christ. With about two minutes here, Pastor Dandy, help us to wrap things up on this text, set the stage for the rest of the book. Yeah, yeah. So so from here on out, um, Solomon is going to just very bluntly and realistically talk about life under the sun. Um, he's going to talk about, um, uh, you know, going into the rest of the chapter here in chapter one, um, the, 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 the vanity of, of human wisdom. Uh, then he's going to talk about, you know, vanity of maybe our Epicurean idea of life. Uh, he's going to talk about um, the vanity of heart, our toil under the sun. Um, you know, like, and, and he's just going to kind of take every kind of big chunk of life that we think is is super duper important, right? And say, well, yeah, there's maybe some importance to it, but, you know, in the end, this too will pass away. Um, and he's going to, finally draws to that final conclusion at the end of Ecclesiastes where one thing is left but this, to, to fear God and obey his commandments, to, 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 to understand that God is God, we are his creatures, and then to, to live every moment as a gift under him. Um, uh, you know, I think there's, there's, and there's a lot to, to soak up and break down about this whole process in the book of Ecclesiastes. So, um, uh, you know, but, every kind of little chink in the armor, um, um, every little bit of things that human beings cling to in this life. I think Solomon does a very good job at um, pointing out its its weakness and its um, ultimate end. And uh, when we think about that, we have to then consider as human beings uh, and redeemed children of God, our ultimate end. And I think that's the, the part where we, we uh, um, that's that's the ultimate conclusion that we have to come to in this book. Yeah, and then and then turn to Christ in the fear of God. That is where life under the sun has meaning and is not vanity. Pastor Jacob Dandy is pastor at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California. He's been helping us today to study Ecclesiastes one verses one to eleven. Pastor Dandy, thanks for being our guest today. It's been a real pleasure. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Solomon will extol that statement throughout this book, sometimes in ways that seem depressing, but this reality is what we need to hear, that life under the sun, apart from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is vanity. But under the sun, the Son of God, life has meaning, for he has redeemed us and placed us here to serve him and our neighbor until he takes us to our eternal home. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about this part of Ecclesiastes, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It's always a joy to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.